0: Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse-by-verse studies of the Word of God giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon and make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. And all you big kids can turn to 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> Lord willing, we'll finish this chapter this morning. I'm looking at the clock. I got a little over a half an hour. I have a hard time wrapping it up within an hour. But this, and this is what I love about God's word, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Especially if we read and study his word literally. And that's one thing that I'm very comfortable with as a teacher of God's word. Unless he tells us otherwise in the scriptures, which he does, we can take things literally. So, as we get into this this morning, uh, this is very straightforward. Again, this is coming around the context of the spiritual gifts that God's given to the church. And these things are to be done decently and in an order. And that's why I called this morning, Order in the Church. Um, you guys know that God loves order? Yeah? He is a God of order. He orders relationships, right? Uh, he's ordered the heavens. You guys know that when things got out of order, you guys remember what happened in heaven before anything was created down here? Wasn't Satan tripping? There's a little disorder going on in heaven. Well, actually, our earth was already created, but we know what happened as a result. God dealt with that disorder immediately, right? Um, Sent Satan packing. But anyways, we also know that he orders the whole universe. I'm in awe. Did you guys just see the pictures that they just compiled? I don't know how many years it took, but they did it just this last week. They compiled, was it over 30,000 pictures or something of the stars? It's just unbelievable, you know? Anyways, look it up online, but we consider the universe and all that God has created. He just breathed that, okay? He spoke it, and when he spoke it, there was an order given to it, and I consider just uh, here, okay, the the sea. Um, he said, when I fixed my limit for it, I set bars and doors, and when I said, this far you may come, but no further. And here, your proud waves they must stop. He made a path for thunderbolts. We're told in Job 38. He made a path of the seas. Do you guys know that there's ocean currents? Do you know Psalm 8.8 tells us that? Do you know that there's some people actually read the scriptures and said, hey, the sailing business is kind of hard to do. It's a lot of work. But supposedly there's currents out there. Let's go find them. And guess what they found? The currents. And that's how they travel to this day. Right? He made four seasons. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. Some seasons are a little longer than they need to be, but <laughs> there's an order to them. And then I love Ecclesiastes 3.1. You guys all know that. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, I'm about to throw up a picture. You guys can judge me if you want. That's totally okay. I have an aquarium. And it is gross. Gross. Things are not in order when it comes to my fish tank. I had a scum sucker fish pass. You know how quickly a tank can get dirty when things are out of balance? Now, my tank is really green. Allergy grows fast. If you have brown allergy, it's because you're, eat or you're feeding your fish too much. You need to knock it off. But if it's green, it's getting too much light. Now, my fish tank, it sits right by a big window. So this has been a battle, and I need these scum suckers to keep the balance in order, you know, because I can be checking my water, and it's very temperamental. I got to check, you know, the nitrates and phosphates and the pH balances and all this stuff, and you keep changing out water. There's so much to be done with these things. Guys... My tank is only 46 gallons. (laughs) And I'm having a hard time keeping things in order. Now, God deals with 326 million trillion gallons. (laughs) Paul, I love the Apostle Paul because he, again, brings the gavel down here in chapter 14 and his cry is order one more time order in the church so let's take a read this morning we're going to pick it up in verse 20 we left off there last time and he's going to address those who are not saved unbelievers in the church and that may be someone here this morning do you guys know that just because you walked into a church building doesn't make you saved There are a lot of people that believe that. I love talking with people about Jesus. And I love making sure that their salvation is secure. That they know the gospel. That they know Jesus. And so many people I've talked to over the years, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. How do you know it? How do you know that to be true? I've gone to church my entire life. doesn't save anybody guys jesus saves people Do you understand that and just because you're here this morning it doesn't mean you're saved do you know him that is all that matters guys but there are going to be unbelievers who do come and there are things for us as believers that we need to conduct ourselves and have things in such an order to right, rightly represent the lord So let's take a read and see what Paul has to say for us here. He says, "Brethren, do not be children in understanding; however, in malice and things that are malicious, that are wrong, that are evil, we should be as babes, simple concerning those simple concerning evil." It's sad, guys. We know a whole lot about evil. We entertain ourselves with evil. And God tells us, you need to be simple concerning these things. But we are to have understanding there should be a maturity for us as Christians. Now he says here in verse 21, "There, in the law it is written, with men of tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. For tongues... Are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, like we're doing today, and all speak with tongues, you guys didn't do that, and there comes in someone who's uninformed and unbeliever, will you not say that you're out of your mind? All right? I mean, we're singing praise songs, okay? We had lyrics up on the screens that were in English. So if an unbeliever did come in, they'd be like, oh, I see what you're saying. I see and understand this song. You're singing about this Jesus. You're praising him. Hmm, what's up with that? But if we're all going off in these different languages, speaking in tongues together, what do you guys think an unbeliever would think if they walked through the doors? <laughs> Enough said. Wisdom is spoken. <laughs> Verse 24. But if all prophesy and have an unbeliever and an uninformed person comes in and he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? And don't we want to ripely represent our Lord as the church? You know, there's been times where we've had services where people have come in and they just wept the entire service, just broken. It's the first time that they've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. That God actually loves them so much, He was willing to die for their sins. That they could be forgiven if they accept the gift that Christ has given us. That there is a freedom from sin that we can actually repent and turn from our sin and turn to God. Yeah, that's some good news. But not everybody knows that good news. Not everyone has heard. And there's sometimes people, man, unbelievers are moved. Oh, boy. Okay, I don't listen to a whole lot of U2 anymore, uh, but I used to listen to them a lot. And a few years back, they came out with a song called Yahweh. Any you guys ever hear that song? Okay, why is this band singing about God? Okay, that song intrigued me. I liked it so much. Okay? And I started watching different videos of them doing this song in concert. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It's not church, it's not a church service, but it's just crazy. I saw one video. Okay? All these people, they're worshiping God at a secular concert? What is happening? What is going on? Why are people moved in such a way? I think as God's creation, we know that there is a right response to our creator, even though people don't fully understand it. I mean, we've been given much. God has revealed much to us in that through his word, and we feel responsible to that. Okay? But there's a world that is looking that doesn't know. And I so wish. It's cool that people go out to listen to music at a huge stadium and pay you know, hundreds of bucks for a ticket to go do so. I wish unbelievers would walk through the doors of the church. But to be truthful, we have a small handful once a year that do, that are actually seeking. I wish more people would just come. Hey, I want to know about God. But we want this to be a place where we rightly represent God, that there aren't confusion for them if they are seeking. So especially when it comes to the supernatural, because we know God is alive. These gifts that we've been studying over the last few months as we've been working through the book of Corinthians, okay, like tongues, just one of them. If you guys look at verses 20 through 23 here, the Corinthians, Paul's pretty much saying you're acting like kids, like little children. You need to grow up. You have these gifts and you're treating them as toys, okay? Be immature when it comes to knowing how to sin, he says, but mature when it comes to understanding, So he talks about the Corinthians and Assyrians in verse 21 and 22 here. This seems to be a paradoxical passage if we consider this. First saying tongues is for the unbelievers. Did you guys catch that in verse 22? And then it's not in verse 23. Paul, what's going on? (laughs) And then he says the same thing about prophecy, right? First he says it's not for unbelievers in verse 22. And then that it is in verses 24 and 25. So which is it, Paul? (laughs) What's going on, buddy? It's yes to all four. That's what I've concluded. Think about this with me. You can actually turn there in your Bibles with me. Proverbs 26. Let's go there. That will bring clarity for a moment. Proverbs 26. And what is Proverbs all about, guys? Woohoo! Wisdom. We're to be wise. Get some understanding, right? Check out Proverbs 26 with me. It's right after Psalms, middle of the Bible. I'd encourage you guys to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. There's a lot to be gleaned. Man... Look at verse 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. In verse 4, lest you also be like him. And look at verse 5. Answer a fool <laughs> according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So don't be drawn, like, drawn down to a fool's level is what God is saying. And we do that often okay someone's just tripping out being dumb about something and he's just like all right i'll play that (laughs) i'll get into that game that shouldn't be okay but at times we must use a fool's language to refute a fool so he doesn't become conceited and there's sometimes we need to get on a level to speak to them in a way that they may understand and see what they're missing And I think that's what Paul is getting to here. So all four points really are true in different cases in which they were dealing with. You guys know that the prophet Isaiah, we just finished Isaiah in our men's group, he was speaking to a whole nation of Israel at a time when the Assyrians were threatening to capture Jerusalem. Though uh, the prophet, and through Isaiah, God was warning the nation that if they didn't repent, that they would hear foreigners talking in the holy city, and they were gonna hear Gentile tongues filling their streets and warning in a way of warning to Israel to face up for their relationship with God, lest they turn them into the Gentile world. And if you read the day of Pentecost in that light, you're gonna have a fully under you're going to have this understanding that really agrees with the prediction that has been laid out for us here that that day the streets were filled. You guys, thousands and thousands of people had come to Jerusalem from all over to worship, okay? And there were Gentiles that were a part of that, mostly Jews, but there were different languages that were being used, and it was a sign to the unbelieving Jews when they did speak in a tongue there um, that really should turn them um, to know that, hey, This favor that God's had upon Israel and the people of Israel, this is really for all peoples. It's for the Gentile world also. You guys can jot down Acts 2, verse 12 and 13. So they were all amazed and perplexed. They heard them speaking in these other tongues, right? And they were perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. You guys familiar with that story? They must be drunk. (laughs) Well, it's early in the morning. Really? That's why they're talking goofy in our languages? Really? They must be drunk? No. What's the new wine, guys? It's the Holy Spirit. Okay? These are those that believed on Christ. They were now baptized in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. They were actually talking about what Jesus spoke of in the Gospels. Write down Luke chapter 5, verse 37 and 38. Jesus says this, and listen carefully. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined, and the new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. You understand what Jesus is saying there, Okay? And really, this is the only way that these unbelieving Jews were going to make it. Because all they knew was what? The law. (laughs) Okay. We have the law. This is what we know. Maybe we do see that Jesus is the Messiah, that God has come. Okay. Maybe we do believe the gospel. (laughs) We want to fit that into our law. (laughs) It's not going to work, guys. What Jesus is saying is here, hey, there is new wine, the work of the Holy Spirit, but you can't put it into an old wineskin because what's going to happen to that old wineskin? It's going to burst. It's going to crack. It ain't going to work. It's not going to hold nothing. You need a new wineskin also that will be able to stretch and work, and we need to be sensitive to that. You know, It's very easy to look, hey, the church has done this in the past. This is what I've known. This is what we've always done. Well, if God's doing a new thing by his spirit, guys, maybe we need to ditch some of the old ways, the old things and say, hey, <laughs> God's wanting to do this. It's going to look a little different, but we need to accommodate. We need to be open to his leading. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to receive the spirit. And all we're going to do is get cracked, burst. We're going to be useless. So again, guys, life in the spirit. And if you missed our studies over the last three Tuesdays, Catch them online. We talked at length and in depth of what that looks like. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's consider these crazy Corinthians together in verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there comes in one One that's uninformed and unbeliever, will he not say that you are out of your mind, you know? I got to hang when I first started really following. Like, you guys ever get to that point where you may be a believer, but there was a day where the Lord really arrested you in such a way that's just like, are are you going to be all in, you know? Like you're good with me being savior, you're you're good with going to heaven and being saved from hell and the penalty of your sin. <laughs> but are you gonna let me be Lord? Are you let me call the shots? That's that's a true surrender when you finally say, "Yeah, God, I'm I'm all in. I'm in." During that season in my life, I was I was all in. Okay. It didn't matter where a Bible study was happening, what church it was happening at, whose home it might be taking place at, wherever people were worshiping and in the word, I'm going to go. I was in like eight or nine Bible studies a week. Well, there's only seven days in a week. Yeah. You know, that's all I was doing. And I, and I was hanging in with some of the Assembly of God peeps, okay? And they're, they're a little charismatic. And there was one time that we had a, a revival going on. And I'm like, oh, revival, count me in. I don't want to be a part of a revival, you know? And I showed up at the big assemblies here in the valley. And I walked in, you know, and everybody was just speaking in tongues. That is all that was happening. Everybody's speaking in tongues, and I'm a believer in Jesus, and it was uncomfortable. I'm just like, this is weird, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, hey, it's cool, you know, they're being spiritual, but I revival. Let's talk about Jesus. You know, what's going on? And all the more for somebody that doesn't even have the spirit of the living God, how much more awkward would a setting like that be? So I think that's why he brings that up. Unbelievers in prophecy, let's consider this because this is really cool how Paul lays this out for you and I. In verse 24 and 25, and the second part of verse 24 is really emphasize the fact that prophecy is a teaching tool for believers. So here, we'll see how it can profit, we can profit from prophecy, but also it is not aimed at unbelievers. So again, when we consider prophecy, it doesn't have... To be like a foretelling, okay? Well, who's gonna win the Super Bowl next Sunday? Whoop-de-do, really? But it's not that. Well, I know the Chiefs are gonna win because. I like them. Anyways, (laughs) Uh, the foretelling, it's not specifically, but speaking forth the mind or the counsel of God, that's prophecy, and the will and the message of God. So when truths are understandable and comprehensible, then here's what happens, and I love that he laid this out. There's Uh, they will be convinced, convicted, exposed, or things are going to be revealed, and also prostrated. They're going to fall down on their faces, and then he reports. So let's consider those five things real quick. Did you guys see that? I'm not making this up. It's right here. You guys see all that right there? That's what's going to happen here. First of all, he's convinced. This means that the word is going to convict whatever God has spoken to so present evidence, that which drives a conclusion of an argument. Okay, There's time. I know I have the gift of prophecy. Why? Because God has called me to foretell his word. He's asked me to teach it and preach it. And this happens almost on a weekly basis. I have people sending me messages saying, hey, pastor, that was really convicting today. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. God is dealing. That's what happens when his word goes forth. And it's not just at church that this will happen. How many of you guys open your word in your daily devotion and you're just like, whoa, the word <laughs> has convicted me. But this is what's going to happen when people come in and they hear the word. That's why we want to get the word of God out. I ask you guys to share our feed from freedom. Hey, what are we doing here? Okay, we're not having a hype service. We're not having a concert. Okay, the word of God is going forth, and that might convict an unbeliever or a believer who's sitting at home that's not in fellowship. So, what do we do here? Uh, We see that uh, he sees what he is and he's appalled by it. Okay, Um, do you guys remember that woman at the well? There in John chapter 4, <laughs> the man, <laughs> he he he, said, he told me everything I ever did, okay? That was a prophetic word, but she was convicted. Hey, and God may give you a word to share with somebody that, hey, it's going to cut to their heart. Like, hey, how can you know that? Well, God is speaking forth, okay? He's dealing with something. I um, look at this. Um, he was a friend of Socrates, and I love this, uh, politician, general in Athens there. He used to say this, Socrates, I hate you. For every time I meet with you, you make me see what I am. And I feel like that when it comes to prophecy. It's just like, boom eyes open he's also convicted look at the second part of verse 24 to examine to cross-examine to put through a questioning as when is questioned and examined by a judge in court so he sees that he must have an answer for what he's done uh, for he's been his own man answering only to himself living his own life there are no thoughts of god I have no responsibility to him. But when that comes, guys, there are, there are none so blind as the one who will not see. So it's like when you stare into a mirror, you know, or you're really looking at yourself. You know the real you. But I don't think we take the time to really examine ourselves. We're off to the next thing. We don't want to deal with that conviction. We won't want to deal with that word. I think that's a big part of why Christians don't come to church and why they don't spend time in the Bible. I'm going to have to look at reality. <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with truth. I want to hide. I want to check out. You guys know how you do that? I know myself. There's times where I just want to turn on a show. I don't want to deal with this right now. don't want to think about this. Some of you guys might be like, well, I thought comfort food was your problem, pastor. Yeah, that's another one of mine. We hide behind things, but we need to be honest with ourselves, guys. Okay? And if we're confessing with one another, we can pray for one another. So now you guys can pray for me. Um, And also he's exposed. Did you guys catch that in verse 25, the first part there? So his dark secrets of his heart, they're laid bare here. So the last thing we face is our hearts. A proverb says this, there are none so blind as those who will not see. So it's like when you stare into that mirror, okay? You're really looking at yourself there. And look at the next part in verse 25. He's prostrated here. He falls down in worship, okay? He's brought to his knees before the Lord. All Christianity begins with a man on his knees. Okay. And that happens when we're in the presence of the Lord. How can you not? You guys can jot down Philippians 2, 9, 10, and 11. Therefore God exalted him, speaking about Jesus, right? To the highest place, and he gave them a name above all other names. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every and everything underneath the earth. William Barclay said this, he said, the gateway is so low that we can enter it only upon our knees. That's humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we're saved by grace through faith, you better humble yourself. Oh. Yeah, let's skip that. You guys are running out of time. Let's move on. Let's jump all the way down to verse 26. Um, This is the believers in church. How is then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. That's the building up of the church, right? And if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or the most, three, right? And each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first be kept silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches, guys, this is for all the churches of the saints. And let your women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently. And in order. So there needs to be an order of things when we come together is what Paul is getting at here. So what a wild service this must have been like in the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago, guys. You guys see there's order in verse 27 and on there. So we may, what, learn. There needs to be order in order for us to learn, okay? And that we would also be encouraged according to verse 31, So when it comes to tongues or prophecy, is it controllable? Yeah, according to the scriptures, okay? I can prophesy. I can speak in tongues. It's never in such a way where, hey, I'm out of control. (laughs) I just can't help myself, okay? If that is, that's not of the Lord, according to his word, according to experience. It's what the Bible says. Um, And it's one of those things, when you speak in tongues, let there only be two or three, and there must be one interpreter. Does anybody in here have the gift of interpretation? Anybody? Let's chew on that this week. Why aren't there more in the church that would have the gift of interpretation? Because I know a lot of people that speak in tongues, but why aren't there more interpreters? (laughs) Again, as we've studied through chapter 12 and chapter 14 here, Okay, again, tongues is the only one of the gifts that edifies oneself, okay? It's the building up of self. And what we read here clearly, Paul's heart for this order within the church is the edification of who? All, (laughs) the entire church. So it's one of those things, I'm okay that we're not speaking in tongues. Do we say no to it? No, because the Bible says, hey, don't. But if it is done, there needs to be an interpreter. And that's part of the reason why I think a lot of churches aren't using these gifts in this matter is because we live in a day and an age that, well, Jesus said an evil and adulterous generation seek after what? Signs. Signs, Okay. If you guys have studied at all church history and especially what's going on today within the church, do you guys know that there's a lot of Christians who are all about the signs? They never get plugged into a church. They're church hopping constantly. Well, they're more spiritual here. Oh, I heard people are getting slain in the spirit over there. That's not a gift of the spirit, by the way. But that's how deceived people are. It's because of their heart they're willing to give themselves to these signs, and that's what they're seeking. Okay, here at Freedom, and you're going to hear it week in and week out, seek Jesus. That is what we're told to do. Why? Because that is what the Bible teaches us to do. It is about him. But when it starts becoming about the spiritual gifts, then it's a miss. We don't want to neglect him. We want all things to be done. But why speak in tongues if there's not an interpreter? It just makes, Do you guys see how simple this is? Like God's not the God. He wants peace. If we just do, if the church as a whole would just do what God's asked us to do. You guys know the unbelieving world? What do they point at when they accuse Christians of stuff? All the wacko Christians. You know, that's where they point. The ones that have the biggest mouths, that are totally in the flesh, those are the Christians that they point at. All you Christians hate me because I'm a homosexual. Wow. Where did you gather that information? Well, I saw it on the news. The internet told me. That's what the world sees about Christendom. You know, the reality is, I love you. I love you a lot. I love you enough to speak the truth into your life. I'm not going to affirm the sin. God calls it an abomination, but I want relationship with you. I want to serve you. I want to share the good news of my Jesus with you that you would become to know the true and living God that you can be set free. But you don't understand, Krishna. <laughs> I was born this way. <laughs> well, my Jesus can make you born again. <laughs> That's the truth. He did it for me. And I'm just as sinful, if not worse, than you are. We're all in the same boat. We all need a Savior, and this is what Jesus can do. Guys, we need to rightly represent the Lord, and I believe when we do his word, it's going to be a beautiful display to the world. But the world is looking in at a few of the yahoos within the church who love fear-mongering and can't keep their mouths shut. Anyways, that's a whole nother topic. We're out of time, and we're not even done. Um, let me let me have five more minutes here. Let's jump down. Rules in the church, verses thirty-four and thirty-five, speaking about women here. Women could participate in public worship service. This is one thing that I have a real hard time with is when people don't look at context in the scripture. Okay, we've been in one letter to one church. You guys remember back to chapter 11, verse 5? We have women in the church doing what? Prophesying and praying. Well, right here, they're not allowed to speak. There's a contradiction here. No. (laughs) Again, we need to look at the context of what is being said, okay? When it comes to spiritual gifts, uh, they're both for men and women. We see that clearly taught here in Scripture. But it seems that they're flaunting their liberties here, okay? That's what you know, is going on. So the Corinthian culture, we had women that were not allowed to confront men in public. So in that day, women didn't receive religious formal training as the men did. So the question here, really asking in the service, was probably, um, it could have waited until you got home. (laughs) That's why he says, hey, ask your husband, when you get home. Now, let's address the men for a second, because I think this is important. Verse 35, Paul lays the responsibility upon the men. They were to teach their wives spiritual truths. And we told in Ephesians chapter 5 that men, you bathe your wives in the word of God. We see it throughout the scriptures, okay? We are that spiritual head of the home. We are to lead in these ways. So when it comes to this, guys, we got to take it serious. So if many families, and we see it today, we have the wife who is the spiritual leader in the home in a lot of a lot of cases, okay? You can look around. I'm not saying that's the case with all of you, but that is the case with a lot of people today. Um, and it's sad to say uh, that's the case, but men, it doesn't matter, you know, that, hey, she's more spiritual than me. She got saved way before... I did. She is at Bible studies when I'm working. <laughs> you know, We can come up with those excuses. But when it comes to these spiritual things, hey, I got a question. Men, you need to find the answer. That's what I read here. Okay, The Bible exhorts us to be strong and conduct yourself like men. 1 Samuel 4, 9. And then Paul would write in 1 Timothy chapter 2, which I wanted to spend our time wrapping up this morning in chapter 2. We're not going to have time to get there. But it talks about the roles of men and women, okay, and why things are set the way they are in the church. So I want you guys to read that later today on your own. But Paul says, I desire, therefore, the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So men are to lead in this way. Well, how do I do that? There's a lot I don't know. Join the club. Find a good Bible dictionary. I like Warren Wearsby. Find a good commentary. There are things. I'm married to a gal who went to Bible college. So some of her questions are like, what are you talking about? Who? Like, she was a history major, too. She's, like, totally into those things. Like, I'm horrible at remembering things. But it's like, babe, I'll find it out. Like, I'll figure it out. You know, and I'll go and I'll search those answers out. So I want to encourage you men to do that. And if you don't know of good resources, hit me up, okay? I love this kind of stuff. I'll turn you on to some good things to get. But the point is men need to take responsibility. That's one thing I see today in the church. We're very blessed. I see at Freedom, we see a lot of men proportionally stepping up and doing their part. That's beautiful, but the reality is that's not the case in a lot of churches. It's just not. Um, so uh, another dynamic to think about here, if a woman is always going to a male friend or the pastor, you know, uh, to answer these questions, that sometimes can cause unhealthy relationships, and that can be very dangerous because then they're like, oh, I wish my husband was spiritual like you. We don't want that to happen either. And some of you sisters have reached out to me who are married, and I don't mind ministering to anybody, but some of you have actually asked you, hey, did you talk to your husband about this yet? <laughs> you know? And that'll be my response most of the time. You know, touch base with them. Um, and I'm not like I'm totally open to giving answers and counseling and one of those things, but you should be going to your husband's first if you're married. Give them a shot, ladies. Why? Because it's biblical. All right uh ladies also asking your husband's spiritual questions really could be um i don't know what it is about pickle jars but those tops are really hard to get off you guys know what i'm talking about i love when sunny asks me hey babe can you try to open this i can't get it (laughs) i'll try (laughs) might be able to do it it's just one of those things you try You know, I'll figure it out. And sure enough, I'm not stronger than my wife because I can't get that darn cap off either. But babe, I'll get it. I'll be back in a second. I'm going to go grab my chainsaw. You know, whatever it's going to take. Men, get it done. All right. Sorry, I had to skip a bunch of notes to drive home that point, and that's the best I could do. Uh, (laughs) Yep. And I, I want to conclude with this too. My experience is it's very very hard for a lady to give up those roles that she's held spiritually in the home when a husband finally realizes and wants to start stepping up. And sisters, if you have a husband who wants to be legit, who wants to lead, let him do it. Let him do it. It's gonna, It's God's order. And I wish I had more time. Like I was going to spend the bulk of the <laughs> sermon on this today. Um, you guys can jot down Mike Winger, Um, I don't refer a lot of people. He's got a podcast that he's been doing for many years. It's called Bible Thinker. How many of you guys are familiar with that? Okay, how many of you guys would say he's a pretty solid brother? Okay, I would say we agreed 99%. Like, I love his take on things. There were so many things and conclusions I had come to over the years and study you know, and he has the same background that I have, and we were taught things a certain way, and I didn't agree with all those things. I don't see it biblically, and I've so enjoyed his ministry over the years. He does a lot, of, uh, a lot of apologetics, debating, but everything comes back to the scriptures. It's back to the word. And just this last month, he actually did a study on women being silent in the church. It was three hours, 16 minutes, and 17 seconds long. So if you want to take it in, there's a lot of good thought but he can't, he, he's come to the same conclusion I have in this, okay? And I wish we had more time to talk about order. God's given elders to teach the church, period. Women are not to have that pastoral eldership role. That is the way God's laid it out, and there are reasons scripturally for that. But it doesn't mean women can't speak in church. I so love that Mary read a scripture this morning. You know, it's just right on, sister. That's a rad passage of scripture. But now if Mary sat here and said, Hey, forget it. Landon, you're not teaching today. I got some teaching going. I'd be like, hey, sister, go talk to your husband. (laughs) Um, But you guys see the point here? Everything needs to be done decent in order. That's the bottom line, okay? It needs to be decently. Does it fit the order in a proper way? okay, Um, and things need to be done in order. So he told the church in Colossae the same thing. For though I'm absent in the flesh, Paul says, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoice to see your good order and your steadfastness in the faith. That rejoiced the apostle. He was a church planter. Hey, these churches that I've been a part of and have gotten planted, man, it's a joy for me to see things being done decently. In an order titus 1 5 for this reason i left you in crete that you should set in order the things which are lacking appoint elders in every city as i command you and then he ended first corinthians chapter 11 with and the rest i will set in order when i come so this apostle who had a heart for the church prayed for them constantly it was the burden he carried he cared much that there would be order within the church. Okay, and some of you guys might be like, "Well, why do we always do the same stuff?" We're trying to strike an order that God has prescribed in His Scripture. We're trying to do Acts two forty two. <laughs> Pretty simple stuff. So, how about you guys? There's safety in Scripture. Okay, um, yeah. Much more could be said, but we should pray. Father, thanks for this morning. God, it is always good to be with your kids. Thank you that we can come together and worship you in spirit and truth. And we always want to be open, Father, to your leading. Lord, I know there is a certain amount of freedom that you've given us here at Freedom Fellowship, Lord. But we want to just, you know, even steward those things in a way that are done in an orderly fashion, God, in a way that would bring you honor and glory, God, I know it's so easy for us in the church to get too judgmental and too critical of one another and how other churches do things. God, I, I do pray that you would just help us to do what you've called us to do, that we would be honest before you, that we would take your word seriously, God, that we keep growing. I know that's something that you desired for us to do, to be fruitful and to multiply. We know that's something that your spirit is working in us as you sanctify us, God. And we do want to be set apart, not just individually, but corporately as a church family, that we would be a beautiful witness, Lord, to this community and beyond. Father, as your bride, (laughs) that we would be beautiful at your coming. I know that you called us to learn. You've called us to be encouraged in the faith, to be built up in it. And we just pray humbly, God, that you do that. We need your help. We need your grace. So please, God, continue to establish us. Raise up more labors. Help each and every one of us, Lord, step into the gifts you've given to us. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with His Word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, Come cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.